0: You know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. That's why I partnered with Fullscript, an online dispensing platform that only offers curated professional-grade brands that I know and trust. The very same supplements that I prescribe to my patients and take myself. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Our guest is Dr. Henry Buckwald. He's a veteran physician with 50 years of practice as a bariatric surgeon, also an expert on the history of medicine. He's written a great book entitled Healthcare Upside Down A Critical Examination of Policy and Practice. And boy, he's got a lot to say about the wrong turn that medicine has taken in the modern era. Dr. Buckwell, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about burnout in the health professions. And what is interesting is that uh, during our training... uh, this was really a recipe for burnout because uh i had a medical residency uh, a surgical residency even more rigorous you know you had to stay on your feet for you know h- over 100 hours a week you know you're on every third night or <laughs> perhaps every second night uh you know ministering to patients under really really challenging conditions you know constantly uh, overloaded uh and overwhelmed uh and yet uh in this year where there are now new reforms where doctors are on shifts that are regulated by state law uh, and by custom, you know, there's, they're more moving towards uh, lifestyle. Uh, There are a lot of women physicians. They're taking time to have families. They're taking time off for childcare. And yet there's so much talk about burnout. Do, Do you have any idea why burnout might be even more prevalent paradoxically now than it was then?
1: well it's not only a burnout uh it, it's also early retirement
0: yeah that's
1: uh, yeah, we're losing in, a lot of promising day, doctors yeah yeah in my day uh people had a fight to stay on because there was mandatory retirement in some hospitals and some universities at 65 and people were just in their prime yeah and and they were uh so people uh, today it's the opposite people are are trying to retire as soon as they can so if there's burnout and if there's early retirement there must be a common denominator and what's the common denominator it's not satisfying yeah uh because you cannot say that uh hard work was the cause because as you just said we worked a lot harder uh we had longer hours etc but it, it was satisfying uh you you, ha- you felt a calling I, I like to say that there was a calling you were there uh you took on responsibility uh, calling responsibility those are key words uh whereas today it's a job uh you don't know your patients uh and all the maternity, paternity leave, paid vacations, shorter hours, uh, no night call, uh, all that uh, does not compensate maybe for for that sense of doing something that's really worthwhile in your life, mm-hmm. which can, I, I use the word calling, uh, responsibility. And that, I think, is the reason. There was a paper published, which (laughs) amazed me. I laugh at it and amazed me. They did a survey of medical students, and 50% said they had burnout. Hmm. I said, how can they have burnout? They haven't done anything.
0: They they just begun, yeah, right.
1: I mean, what have they done? They haven't done a thing. They've been in school learning fascinating things, uh, doing what they fought to get into medical school to do, and they have burnout I, I don't understand that yeah um so anyway i i think burnout comes with dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction comes with that loss of belonging to something that's let's say call it noble
0: so, you were a pioneer in, in bariatric surgery, you know, one of the people who uh, got in on um, the ground level and perfected a lot of techniques, uh, in fact, patented medical devices that were essential for performing uh, bariatric surgery. Uh, but there's a recent development that some surgeons believe uh, challenges the primacy of bariatric surgery as a means of dealing with weight. Uh, And in fact, you know, one of the rationales for doing bariatric surgery is not merely cosmetic, you know, because, you know, it's nicer to be thin these days, you know, look better. But it also uh, has a medical rationale. It reduces the risk of diabetes, hypertension, and cardiovascular death. Uh, And so, you know, it's a drastic surgery. It's a very big deal, but it actually uh, may have real benefits. Now there are medications that can help people lose equivalent amounts of weight in some cases. What's your take on that as an observer of the scene?
1: wonderful absolutely wonderful I lived through this personally in in a very related field again bariatric surgery let me define bariatric surgery sure. it's operating on an organ or organ system that is putatively normal but getting a secondary metabolic response now let's see what, what that uh, can uh, relate to if you uh we used to in in when I started in the 50s and 60s we had a lot of ulcer disease and that's before we knew heliopactor pylori was responsible so we cut normal vagus nerves and we cut out pieces of normal stomach and we healed duodenal ulcers that we didn't touch right that's metabolic surgery we caused some sort of a metabolic perturbation that cured the ulcer so now Uh, When bariatric surgery started, people said it was restrictive or malabsorptive. That's nonsense. It causes a metabolic change that mitigates against not only weight, diabetes hypertension hypercholesterolemia orthopedic problems and so on
0: so right. now so excuse me, it, it doesn't really it doesn't the theory is you know at first it was thought, well it's it's a shortcut syndrome there's less absorptive surface uh and you're going to absorb less uh food and you have less caloric uptake but actually there's more going on it, it changes the microbiome it, it sets off a whole uh cascade of, of beneficial metabolic uh downstream consequences for people
1: Yes, and i let me get to that drug question. Sure. in 19, in 1962, I came up with a partial ileal bypass, bypassing the distal third of small intestine to lower cholesterol. It was the only real good way of lowering cholesterol. Uh, at that time, uh, there was no real good medicine for lowering cholesterol.
0: It was before and we published and so our yeah,
1: yeah, we published our results we had a huge trial the posh trial the nih funded the first metabolic surgery trial because we bypassed the intestine to lower cholesterol that's metabolic surgery what? anyway uh we published in uh 19 uh um, i'm sorry in 1990 we published the results that we started with in way back 1960s and we published it in the new England journal of medicine with Dr. Relman, who was at that time editor-in-chief, the greatest editor-in-chief ever of any magazine. And uh, that was 1990. By 1992, the statin drugs were out, and partial ilio bypass almost disappeared. Mm-hmm. And today, I did maybe one or two a year people who were refractory to the statins. So when it first came out, or even before the statins came out, what i said at every talk i gave i said partial allele bypass is an inspiration to the internists to the drug companies to do this with a drug rather than with an no. operation
0: it's a less and drastic solution i mean it is a really kind of a draconian uh, solution to the problem of uh, cardiovascular risk obesity and uh, you know bad bad cholesterol ratios and so on is to is to cut out a piece of the intestine and reroute it Uh, and then drugs are a more benign solution so what about now these new weight loss drugs that might help people lose weight
1: well they're just really getting good now Uh, none of them are as good now as the surgery but they're going to get better Mm -hmm. and the other thing is metabolic surgery and and I've been named to give the name Lectureship on Metabolic Surgery at this year's meeting of the American College of Surgeons in October. Anyway, metabolic surgery is much larger than bariatric surgery. For instance, there is a researcher in Berlin who is a hypertensive researcher, and he ablates the sympathetic nerves to both kidneys yeah, to lower blood, blood pressure. pressure.
0: Very interesting, yeah.
1: That's mm-hmm. That's that's very uh, old stuff.
0: Yeah, the the so-called goldblatt kidney that we studied about uh, in medical school. Even then, that was known.
1: Right. And his name is Mahoud. And so he does it going up the artery, going up the femoral arteries, using heat inflation. uh, So it's sort of a a non-touch kind of surgery. Mm -hmm. And type 2 diabetes goes away now think about that you 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 eliminate the sympathetics to the kidneys you don't Mm -hmm. touch the intestine here and diabetes goes away well that's metabolic surgery if you put a collar on the vagal nerve in the neck uh, you mitigate chronic depression that's refractory to everything else Mm. that's metabolic surgery Mm. so metabolic surgery I think has a great future not, not necessarily in bariatrics, but it has a great future. And first, it has to be a mindset that you can operate on putatively normal organs and change a metabolism of the body that has beneficial effects.
0: Wow, that, that's, uh, really, that's a really interesting glimpse into the the future frontiers of surgery you know where surgery is going because certain for example ulcer drugs uh displaced the need for uh gastrectomies you know which you probably performed early in your career as a medical trainee and then we have these wonderful ulcer drugs and you know virtually unheard of as surgery now because of the medications but surgeries you're thinking that uh, surgeons will not uh, be an endangered species uh going forward
1: I think metabolic surgery may be the only future for them in, in to really have a, a major impact. Uh, we don't do incisional surgery anymore. We don't drain abscesses and stuff. The radiologists do that. In my day, we did these huge resections for cancer. We don't do that anymore. With chemotherapy, radiotherapy, we do a lot better with a little bit of surgery. Uh, reconstructive surgery is going strong. Uh, rebuilding uh, congenital hearts, uh, replacing valves, uh, kidney transplants, and so on. That's still going strong. Mm-hmm. But I think metabolic surgery is going to catch on and uh, because it, in, in so many ways it's a mystery. Uh, we have all these operations for obesity, so to speak, uh, but we don't know what they do. But they make diabetes go away, they make hypertension go away, uh and they elicit a whole slew of metabolic changes which we can measure Uh, glp1 goes down gi uh goes up out. gip goes down Mm -hmm. uh, ghrelin goes down but we don't know what the formula is for all this working together but it can be induced by today a very simple operation like a sleeve gastrectomy Mm -hmm. so i think metabolic surgery with bariatrics or without bariatrics is going to be a major evolution in surgery.
0: So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, this uh, headline from just yesterday, came across the wires, Uh, you know, in this era of, uh, you know, depersonalization in medicine, uh, you know, you don't even know who your doctor is anymore. Uh, Your doctor may not be uh, a human in the future. Because the headline here is <laughs> AI bot, AI bot, which stands for artificial intelligence. AI bot is better than doctors at diagnosing patients in the emergency room. Study finds. Uh, so, what say you? How is that going to fit in with a a more uh, uh, humane uh, doctor-patient relationship when we have all these these gadgets, these devices that uh, you know are going to. Uh, be interposed between doctors and patients? Uh, You know, are we going to be doing a lot of uh, uh, chat GPT to get our diagnoses online at home, you know, with uh, video cameras?
1: I think it's going to make uh, medicine uh, better, uh, in a sense. If it uh, enables time to work on diseases that we don't have a solution for. I mean, the AI is what you put into it. If you got nothing to put into it, it can't come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. All it can do is think faster than most human minds. I mean, that was shown by the computers that play chess. Yeah. Uh, It it thinks fast. Uh, You know, it it thinks in in microseconds, where it will take you a week. that's fine but it's still what you put into it so if it frees us from having to do all that it frees the productive minds in medicine and science to go and say hey let's really cure t- cancer because there is no ai which will cure cancer let let's really uh, get hold of Uh, why people have mental degeneration and alzheimer's disease uh let's go into the future uh because now we 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 can have uh, this day take care of things it's like all other progress Mm -hmm. uh for instance let me make up an analogy if you had to go out and chop wood for your fireplace uh rather than just turn on the thermostat you're saving time and if you're saving time you can spend your time more profitably than going out and chopping wood and so i think it's a it's a wonderful aid that allows us to go into the future and do even much better than we're doing today
0: well you for example uh, on on differential diagnosis uh, it can really sort of help narrow down the choices for doctors. but I, I uh, kind of rue the day when doctors uh, will have patients fill out questionnaires, maybe uh, you know some rudimentary exams going to be done, some scans are going to be formed. all that data is going to be uh, filed into uh, an AI machine learning system and some, Conclusions are going to be spit out and the doctor is going to spend his or her time uh, or the health provider, you know, because it may not be a doctor in the future of medicine, uh, you know, seeing uh, options being spewed out and uh, protocols being uh, uh, dictated to them via algorithm uh, rather than, you know, having a doctor thoughtfully examine a patient and uh, interact with them.
1: Well, yes and no, Uh um you know uh, a lot of uh, chess champions can beat the chess computer but the chess computer can beat a lot of people who just play chess mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's going to maybe sort out the physician who is the servant of the algorithm or the physician who uses the algorithm uh you know when people ask me what about artificial intelligence and I say, well, we really need it because there's so much natural stupidity.
0: Uh, <laughs> you, in other words, you wouldn't need so, so much artificial intelligence if there wasn't a, a lack of basic intelligence.
1: Yeah, so I, 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 it's, it's like everything else. Uh, uh, there's always voices raised against progress. I, I'm sure people said, the automobile, automobile isn't here to stay. I mean, we got a horse, you just got to feed it. The airplane, oh, that's no good. Uh, you know, progress is progress. AI is progress. And if used correctly, would make the world better and would make life better for people.
0: Well, you know, coming back to uh, your book, uh, Healthcare Upside Down, you uh, you know, at the end of the book, you propose some solutions to our health care crisis. Uh, but I, sometimes I wax a little pessimistic because I just see the forces are all aligned uh, to make it increasingly depersonalized, uh, increasingly reliant on uh, high tech, uh, expensive solutions, uh, fragmenting health care, uh, breaking down the doctor patient relationship. So so what do you think is uh, the way to write the ship? Uh, you, can you share with us some of your ideas on how to move things in the right direction?
1: Well, you know, I think it has to come from the people who are affected. And that's the general public, essentially all of us in one way or another. Uh, we have to have a healthcare system that works for us. Now, how do we do this? One way of doing is eh, in the insurance companies, uh, have fraternal organizations, uh, dictate healthcare. Now, let me give an example. Uh, very highly rated in almost all insurance is USAA, the, the serviceman's insurance. I, I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served in the Air Force. Uh, I belong to USAA. Uh, It's a fraternal organization of veterans. And they do very well in helping veterans by giving insurance. And their CEOs don't take home 40, 50 million a year. Um, Now, there's something like the postal workers. Millions belong to the postal workers. Uh, The Teamsters, etc. These are fraternal organizations. Now, when a union bargains with, let's say, a big company... And the big company says, well, listen, we will charge you less from your paycheck for health insurance, but you can't have bariatric surgery. The union has to say, oh, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. We want bariatric surgery. It has to come from the people who are affected, and therefore, they have to be knowledgeable, and therefore, I wrote the book to try to give them some facts and some incentive to say we've had enough of this what we want is this and we want a doctor patient relationship and we don't want to be clients we want to be patients when it's our turn to be patients
0: well you know ironically in in the book uh, you recount your own experience with medicine you know you've been a pretty uh, healthy robust guy for uh all virtually the entirety of your career but uh then a little mishap led you to you know kind of turn the tables on you you became a patient and you with all this knowledge and awareness uh experienced some of the some of the downsides that you point out in the book so could you share that experience with us
1: sure uh i've been riding horses all my life and i used to go down to a ranch all the time and do roundups and uh, uh branding season and so on and then just just ride I lo- love to ride and and in my whole life i would never been thrown and on February 1st 2016 uh, I'll always remember the date uh, a horse and I didn't get along and he went up and I went down and I had 11 broken ribs some in several places a broken scapula displaced lungs and two or three units of hemoglobin somewhere in my subcutaneous tissue well i was in a hospitalist hospital in a small i won't give you the name small hospital in arizona and i had no real medical care I never knew there was a head person in the intensive care unit. Yeah,
0: first you languished. Day, you languished up. in the emergency room for
1: several hours oh, yeah, before they even paid hours. attention.
0: Yeah, seven
1: hours. I I was there uh, with my wife holding my hand, uh, and uh, people were were saying, "Well, what they were waiting is for the next shift to come on, so they didn't have to deal with me." Wow! And and, and then I was in the intensive care unit. For two weeks, and then in rehab. Rehab was excellent because it was run by an old-fashioned doctor. But in the intensive care unit, I, I soon I resisted pain medications so I could take care of myself. And my friends dropped in, and I called every night uh, back to the intensivist here in Minnesota, and we talked about my care. And so, in other words, uh, I regulated my care after a few days. Uh, I'd rather have some pain uh, than be subject to no care.
0: Right. So, so in effect, so long, you, yes. you, you, I mean, this would not be a resource available to an ordinary patient. You had to rely on your own medical expertise uh, and even call upon uh, experts outside the hospital who are your friends and colleagues uh, to help you out of a jam because uh, they were giving you the wrong care, the wrong medications sometimes. Uh, and uh, it, it was kind of a mess. And you didn't even know who was responsible most of the time.
1: Absolutely, and so I, I I felt the new medicine very very real. Uh, it was very real for me, and, and I didn't like it.
0: Wow. Uh, Well, unfortunately, sometimes uh, we as medical practitioners, we have the tables turned on us and, uh, you know, it just helps us build uh, empathy for (laughs) the experiences that our patients undergo. Uh, It's a tough uh, lesson to learn. Uh, Okay, great stuff. The the book is uh, Healthcare Upside Down, a Critical Examination of Policy and Practice. If you want to know what's wrong with the American healthcare system, uh, along with some really great history about the history of medicine, Uh, This book is for you. Dr. Henry Buckwald. brings a wealth of his uh, over 50 years of experience in medicine to bear on a uh, well-informed critique of the changes that we've seen. And, you know, the message, the take-home message is we've got to get the word out. Got to get the word out to the public, to policymakers, politicians, uh, people in the uh, insurance industry uh, to take back the reins. Uh, from a kind of a runaway medical system you know i'm sorry about the analogy you fell off the horse but we need to take back the reins uh because uh without that uh we're just going to devolve into an you know ever more chaotic uh depersonalized medical system that doesn't serve the needs of our populace so um great stuff congratulations to you i think uh, your book is a wonderful capstone to your you know very very illustrious career And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And by the way, I'll. Dr.
1: Hoffman, you couldn't have said it better for me. Thank you so much. It's been a joy being on your show.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, you can look forward to a review of your book that uh, I just wrote that will appear in next week's uh, newsletter as an accompaniment to this podcast. So uh, we want to get the word out. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast app, and get new episodes automatically downloaded every weekday. And please give us a rating and review. It truly helps new people discover intelligent medicine. The Intelligent Medicine Podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their health care professionals for any such conditions. Finally, please visit drhoffman.com and discover everything intelligent medicine has to offer, including frequently updated, unbiased health news, and fully vetted product and supplement recommendations.